Welcome to Equip This Church Dunedin. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jordan Smith. For more information, check out equipuschurch.com. Isn't it good to be together? Yeah, it's really nice. Hey, who's had a few Sundays across the last few while where you've had to be home? Anyone watch church online? Yeah, there's some good things about it, eh? Like you literally can be in your pajamas. So there's some good things about it. But uh, And I think it is pretty amazing that we can use tools like whatever it is, computers. I don't know how they do it, but... Um, for church to be on my television at home. I, I don't know how you guys organize it. I just say to our 10-year-old, make the, ch- make the church thing happen on the t- TV. Uh, and then it works amazingly. So, yeah, uh, it's pretty awesome. But I think in all of the lockdowns and isolations and everything, one of the things that I've been reminded of is how good is it to actually be together in a room. You know, uh, something so cool about it. So nice to be together. And for those who don't know me, I'm from Wellington. Uh, my name is Jordan. I'm changing my name officially. So no longer called Pastor Jordan because um, it's really awkward online um, when I post something. And then people who interact with me during the week, I'm just at like placemakers doing some training with sales staff and things like that. And then I post something and people are like, oh, that's really useful, Jordan. And then someone else, I love, I love this Pastor Jordan, such a blessing, um, blood of Jesus, the end of the world, all that other stuff. So, uh, so if you do see me online, just remember online my name is Jordan. Uh, is that all right? You can call me Pastor Jordan here at church. I did turn up at a training session once and there's a bunch of young fellas in a porter cabin on a concrete site. And one guy's like, oh my gosh, Pastor Jordan. I'm like, shh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not get everyone offside right at the start. But uh, anyhow, uh, I'm from Wellington, and um, my wife Chrissy and I have got four children. Our oldest is in Auckland at university, uh, and then our 17-year-old son is in his final year at high school, which is pretty awesome. We've got a 14-year-old who just got selected for the junior A's in Wellington College Basketball to playing Premier Division, so he's pretty, pretty pumped. Uh, and then we have a 10-year-old who's about to turn 11, and that's pretty awesome being 10, isn't it? Can you remember being 10? I had my 10th birthday at Carnarvon Station. Who knows where Carnarvon Station is? Yeah, a few people with their hand up. Pastor, what, Pastor you don't even know this city. I have my 10th birthday at Carnarvon Station, which doesn't exist anymore, Desiree, so don't, you can, you can relax. So anyway, it's a good thing to be 10 years old, isn't it? It's a weird thing when your youngest child is 10 years old, though, isn't it? It's like, wow, your parents must be really old, I keep thinking. So, um, well, anyhow, it, it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, that we, we're in pretty strange times, eh? It's pretty strange times. I don't know if you can remember... Start of 2019, potential nuclear war with Iran. Can you even remember that? No, we can't because there's been too much that's happened since then, right? We've got actual possible nuclear war in another theater already since then, right? So the reality is we're living in a really interesting time. And my dad, who's older than me, um, he... He's done some research. Um, he's also smarter than me, and um, it's fifty. It's roughly fifty years, like since the moon landings. Um, but he made a list of things. It's about fifty years from, right? And it's about fifty years from about. It's been about fifty years from about a hundred really significant historical events, uh, and the world sort of moves around in circles and cycles. Um, you know, the calendar's not really the thing. You know, the natural flow of, the, of, of human existence is day, like a day is a normal thing. 
right? And a week is a thing, right? You work for a week and you have a weekend. That's been true for long parts of human history, and it's connected to the Bible, right, and the story of creation. Um, But then months are just invented, right? Up until pretty recently, there was only 10 months in the year. They used to do 10 months in the year, and then they used to do, uh, they used to change the length of the month to get it through to the end of the year, just to stretch it out. Oh, it's it's not winter. It's still pretty cold. We need to squeeze this one out, right? So months are just made up, um, but seasons are real, right? And then, so seasons happen. They don't follow the months. Have you noticed that? They roughly do, but the months weren't there first. The seasons were there first, and then the months have been forced to fit into the seasons. So our life will move in days, and you can handle a day in your head. Uh, You can handle a week in your head, and you can almost handle a whole season in your head, right? Uh, But the big thing that's hard to handle that we actually have to hold collectively a little bit is this idea of jubilee, Um, because most of us are only going to be alive for one 50-year changeover, Right? Unless you turn to be a hundred, unless you're lucky enough to turn a hundred, right? Uh, most of us are going to be alive for one or maybe two of these big 50-year changeovers. And my dad was born in 1950, so he's really interested in the number 50 and et cetera, et cetera, rabbit hole, crazy people. Anyhow, the um, the reality is that we're. I think we we. I think we are. My dad would say that we're in the middle of of a of a time where everything is changing, right? So we need to stop complaining about things that are changing and just realize that every single thing is being disrupted, being turned over, being up, upended, being uh, messed around with, being challenged, being confused, right? Uh, and that's simply the season that we're in. And what I want to do this morning is, uh, is, is preach a message, which I've titled, Where Am I? Um, question mark. Did, did you get the question? In? I didn't, you don't need, when you're speaking, you don't need to say the punctuation, eh? But uh, where am I? Question mark. Um, and the idea is the, the idea for this is that it's this is helpful, right? So hopefully it's also interesting, right? Because it's really hard to preach with the, with a lot of people snoring, right? So hopefully it's helpful. Hopefully it's interesting. Hopefully it's helpful. Uh, and the reason I think it can be helpful is it can put a bit of a frame around what's going on. So I don't want to tell you what to think, but I want to give you some clues, some, I guess, some angles you can use for how to think. Is that all right? Because the last thing you want, if, the last thing we want to do in church is teach you what to think, um, because it, won't, it will only last for a day at a time, right? This is what you should think now, because everything's changing. What we really need to know is how are we going to think about things that are going on in our own world? How are we going to think about the things that are happening globally? And for, for all of us, we've got things going on. And for some of us, maybe a lot of us, COVID is not the biggest thing going on, right? But it takes all the attention and the headlines. But a lot of us, we're actually, the, the biggest things happening in our life have got nothing to do with COVID. They've got nothing to do with Vladimir or Volodymyr or whoever uh, in Eastern Europe. Like, none of that really matters. A lot of the time, what really is going on is the, the transformation, the progress of our own journey, our own understanding, our own relationships, our own connection with God. So I'm going to read from the Bible. So if you have your Bible, why don't you turn, open it up to um, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. And Pastor Willie's got a paper Bible. Who else has got a paper Bible in church? Other people have got their phones out. The beauty of having your phone in church, isn't it, Rob, is you can read the scripture and scroll through Instagram at the same time. It's, it's multitasking, isn't it? It's a brilliant, it's a brilliant, brilliant thing. So, or who's, uh, anyone out there playing Candy Crush? Point, look at someone's phone and point them out if they're playing Candy Crush. You need to remember the person behind you can see what you're doing. So 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So very good. Okay, so in the Bible, it says in chapter Isaiah, no, the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. And you will have heard this before if you've been around church a lot. Um, It might come on the screen, but otherwise I'm a really good reader, so we'll be okay. It says this, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord seated on a high and elevated throne. The hem of his robe filled the temple. So I saw the Lord high on an elevated throne, and then the hem of his robe came right down to the temple. Seraphs stood over him. Good question. What's a seraph? It's just a, it's, well, it, the answer is it's a seraph, right? Uh, what's it like? Well, the, the, the picture language of the seraph is, uh, number one, they're massive, right? So you can see the Lord seated on a throne and his the Lord of all seated on throne and his his robe is filling, the hem of his robe is filling the temple, right? So the, the Lord is as big as everything. And then the seraphs are standing over him, right? Uh, and they're like, um, they're lizard-like flying creatures. Okay, we have a word in English for this, don't we? These are called dragons, Right, so lizard-like flying creature, right? With uh, They have six wings, though. With two wings, they cover their faces. With two, they cover their feet. And the uh, other two, they use to fly. And they called out to one another, holy, holy, holy. So that's different. Uh, uh, other, 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 like uh, bigger, better, stronger, more, right? Holy is so much more than pure. Pure is a word, too, right? Pure. Bigger, better. So holy is like, oh, this, this thing is holy, right? So you, you've got, there's all sorts of rugby teams, aren't they? But then there's the All Blacks, right? That's holy. There's all sorts of cars, aren't there? But then there's 1972 Toyota Corolla station wagons, right? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? There's all sorts of, there's all sorts of motorbikes, but then there's the GN250, right? There's, this is a thing that stands out above all the others. So when you say something's holy, it's that, it's bigger, it's better, it's more, it's, it's amazing, right? And when you say holy, 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 you just, basically you don't know what you're saying, right? So holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. His majestic splendor fills the entire earth. The sound of their voices shook the door frames and the temple was filled with smoke. We had this big lightning storm in Wellington. It was really weird. Like, weather in Wellington, people talk about how bad the weather in Wellington is, and it is appalling, but it's quick, right? So nothing happens for long, right? So it'll be sunny. Don't worry, it won't happen for long. Uh, it's raining. Don't worry, it won't happen for long, right? But we had this lightning storm which sat in like the, on the, um, the Tararuas and then moved through the Hutt Valley for about an hour and a half, right? It was just really slow moving. So I was at hockey training. It was sunny, but you could see lightning (laughs) happening out over there for the whole of training. And then as I drove home, it started to rain. And we got home for about another 40 minutes, these massive lightning flashes. And I was chatting with my neighbor across the road, and we were chatting about lightning storms. And and, and, um, he's like a proper local. He's like, oh, I've never seen one sit around that long. But do you know how many lightning storms are happening now, right now? At any given moment, in any day, there's 300 lightning storms happening at a time, right? Every day, all day long, there's 300 lightning storms happening, right? The fact that it's not happening on top of your head is a good thing, right? But it doesn't mean that it's not happening, right? There's this power in the universe that we often don't even notice. There's this 
this wonder of God, this holy, 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 his whole, the whole earth is filled with his glory. God is around us all the time. And Isaiah sees this vision and he says, woe to me, I'm destroyed. Another translation says, too bad for me, I'm destroyed. Right, I'm dead now. For my lips are contaminated by sin, and I live among people whose lips are contaminated by sin. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. But then one of the seraphs, these massive lizard-like flying creatures, flew toward me, and in his hand was a hot coal that he'd taken from the altar with some tongs. He touched my mouth with it. Sounds like fun, right? He touched my mouth with it and said, look, this coal has touched your lips. Your evil is removed. Your sin is forgiven. I heard the voice of the Lord say, whom will I send? Who will go on our behalf? And I answered, here I am, send me. And he said, go. This is, again, this is not an unfamiliar piece of scripture, right? Have you heard this one before? Right? It's not an unfamiliar piece of Scripture, but it, it, there's so much in this that can give us a shape and a frame for how do we deal with stuff that's going on. The first thing to notice about this piece of, uh, this revelation that Isaiah has um, is that it's in the year that King Uzziah died. So it doesn't say in 626 BC, right? It doesn't say in February of 626 BC, it says it's in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, uh, in New Zealand, we've got, we don't have kings or queens or those sorts of rulers, emperors or anything like that. We have prime ministers. And on one occasion in the history of New Zealand, the prime minister died in office, right? The CIA killed him, something like that. Uh, the, um, so on one occasion, or maybe it was the USSR. Anyway, the... Um, or he was a pretty big dude, who knows. Anyhow, moving on, like, this is one time in New Zealand history where we've experienced this thing where the leader of the country died. But it's not actually that big a deal in New Zealand because we're changing prime ministers all the time, right? Because we don't, it's not actually the prime minister who's in charge of the country, it's the parliament, right? It's this group that does it, right? And it's a pretty, pretty good innovation. But in the ancient world, they didn't have parliaments. That each nation was ruled by a semi-divine God-king figure right? So this king would be like a priest, but also like a god, and everyone would focus their attention on the king, and then the king would decide everything, right? There was no parliament. There was no, there was no writing initially, so there was no laws written down. So if we're, if we're going to decide what's right and wrong, or who's, who's going to win this legal case or that legal case, the king just decides, right? Who owns this bit of land? Well, the king decides who owns that bit of land, and the king decides who owns that bit of land. And the king says, oh, you can have all this bit of land, and you have that bit of land. And the king decides how much tax is going to be on everything. And basically, the king always takes as much tax as possible so that people don't overthrow them. That's how much tax they charge, as much as possible, right? That's what the king does. And the king, the king sets the shape for everything in that society. Right? In terms of ownership of land, in terms of law, in terms of trading, even in terms of social structures. There's a story of in Esther where the queen, the king's wife, defies the king. Have you remember that story? The, the, the queen defies the king, and then the king's nobles all say, look, she can't be your queen anymore, or we're going to have social unrest up and down the country. Right? Marriages are going to be disrupted because of the way she has behaved towards you. Right, because the king wasn't just leading the thing, the king was the shape of the whole thing. 
but the king died. Right? So I don't, I'm not a historian, but I love history podcasts as much as the next guy. Right? And there's a, a cool history podcast I was listening to, and they were talking about this year in the Roman, uh, Roman it's actually post-republic in the empire, uh, and it's called the Year of Four Caesars. Sounds like fun, eh? Except what it means is someone's a Caesar and they get murdered, so then everything changes. And someone else, someone else becomes a Caesar, and then uh, someone, you know, they, but then someone invades with a whole other Roman army and then kills him. And, and then each time that changes over, who owns what land changes, what the laws are changes, and everything gets thrown into chaos, right? And so Isaiah's in the middle of this moment. The year that King Uzziah, Uzziah died, what does Isaiah? It would be good if they had different names, but Uzziah dies, the king, and Isaiah, what happens? In all the mayhem, in all the chaos, he saw, well, he saw this business falling over, and he saw that marriage collapsing, and he saw disease, and he saw famine, and he saw invading armies, right? Because that's what happens when the king dies. The other armies come in. There's all sorts of contests, right? But in it, he saw the Lord seated high, right? So he sees this vision that he goes from, oh, this is happening here, and that's happening here, and this is happening here, and this is happening there. And then watch, he sees the Lord seated on the throne and the hem of his robe touching the temple, right? So his focus was shifted from this horizontal scanning, right? Otherwise known as like a psycho, psycho uh, physiological threat response. Horizontal scanning, to a vertical focus to see, hey, God's in the throne and there's a shape to what's going on. And my first reckon for the day is that we see him when we seek him. The Bible's full of this stuff, right? Seek the Lord, seek the Lord, you'll find him. Seek the Lord, seek the Lord. It's right through the whole Bible, right? Ask, seek, knock. It's, it's a Jesus said it, the psalmist say it, right? If you seek favor, the Proverbs say, the one who seeks favor seeks a good thing, right? But the one who searches for evil, he'll find it. There's a there's part of how our brain works is that we find what we're looking for. You know, that's why we have that saying, hey, are you looking for trouble? Right? You find what you're looking for, right? Your life will take the shape of how you look at it in a really strange sort of a way, right? Um, when we seek Him, seek the Lord in the strength He gives, seek His presence or His face continually, that psalm, 105. Now, when we talk about seeking the Lord, how many of you know in the Bible uses the word Lord a lot? In the oh, New King James and those sorts of Bibles, it will say capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Have you seen that one? That's this word Yahweh, right? Which is not as mysterious as, um, it's, the word Yahweh is not as mysterious as fifth century Judaism made up, right? So you need, one of the things you need to remember about Judaism, are you ready? I'm going to say something derogatory about Jews. This is not recorded, eh? Yeah, okay, so that's not what I mean. Okay, so what we need to remember about Judaism is that it's created after Christianity, right? So you've got the Moses temple, all the Sadducees, all that, but what we call, what's Judaism now is created in the 5th century as a reaction towards Christianity, right? And they create this, this myth of this mysterious Yahweh, right? But when the, what the word Yahweh means is he who causes things to be. So what the word means is creator, this God who causes things to be. And one of the things we learned in the, in the, um, in the I keep thinking it's Think Big, but what was it? Go Big, right? So in the Go Big series, one of the things we learned was that we're not often at risk of um, denying God, but we're often at risk of diminishing Him. 
right? So we worship this God who Abraham, who Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Isaiah, all these guys worship Peter, Paul, right? Jesus himself worshiped and, and was this God, Yahweh, right? What does that mean? It's he who causes things to be. Now, you can't, nobody can deny things exist, right? You can't deny that things exist. And as Aristotle says, if things exist, something had to cause the things to exist, right? No one's been able to unpick the logic of the uncaused first cause throughout all of this human history. Like people have had good attempts at it. It's never very convincing. Something caused these things to be. And as Christians, we say that someone caused these things to be, right? And we share that view with Jews and Muslims and lots of other people who think that the things that are caused to be are caused to be by a someone. We say that someone made himself known to us as Jesus, right? This Jesus caused things to be. This Jesus is Yahweh who causes things to be. Now, what happens is there's a natural pattern in all human history that we worship the one who causes things to be. And then once we become comfortable, we begin to worship the things that make us feel comfortable rather than the one who caused the things to be that make us feel comfortable. Right? Oh, this sofa is amazing. You know, well, who deserves the credit, the sofa or the person who made the sofa? Oh, this sofa is amazing. You don't even know who made the sofa. You don't even care who made the sofa, right? Because your worship is actually directed to not the sofa itself, but the comfort that the sofa gives you, right? So this is our challenge all the time as humans, is that our worship is going to be constantly dragged from the vertical to the horizontal, away from the thing, no, the one, the person who causes things to be, and our attention will be drawn to the things that exist that make us feel comfortable. Within our modern culture, we determine, we define good and evil in one simple way. Anything that disrupts my comfort is evil. Anything that makes me feel comfortable is good. That's why we're so prone to addiction. That's why we're so prone to disordered emotions, because we're constantly focused on following, worshiping, paying attention to things that make us feel good. Right? So when you watch, a, let's say you watch a motivational video, you're a, young, you're a young businessman there, Rob. Let's say you watch a motivational video on Instagram. How many people love a, a great motivational video on Instagram? You watch a motivational video on Instagram, Gary Z, somebody like that, pumping up the businessman, right? When you watch that motivational video, it makes you feel good. Right? And on the video, he's saying, come on, man, you've got to get up early. You've got to hustle. You've got to make things happen, right? And it makes you feel good, right? What are you most likely to do as a result of that video? Watch another one. He didn't say in the video. He wasn't trying to motivate you to watch another video. He was trying to motivate you to get up, and early, and get on the, get up early and get on the hustle, right? But you don't do that because that's actually going to make you feel uncomfortable. You do the thing that made you feel good. Watch another motivational video from Gary Vee. Watch another Hillsong. Uh, watch another whatever the video you're going to watch, right? And what we do as Christians, we listen to another sermon. makes us feel good. We watch another uh, video. makes us feel good. We sing another worship song. makes us feel good. But the challenge we've got to see is not focus on the things that make us feel good, but focus on the one who causes things to be, and we only see Him when we seek Him. A great piece of Scripture to study, which I won't read um, for the sake of time, but Deuteronomy chapter 4 talks about this process of when you go into the promised land, God's going to lead you in and make you victorious, and then you'll get comfortable and you'll start worshiping 
uh, idol. But then when you turn to him and seek him, you'll find him. And that says this, when you seek him with all your heart, right? We see him when we seek him. There's a, a whole group of studies that are really interesting and uh, around a concept called a concept called inattentional blindness. Uh, not so it's not intentional blindness. It's inattention. So a blindness that comes from a lack of attention, right? And you have to practice saying that inattentional blindness. It's really hard, but I've practiced it, so I can say it now. So inattentional blindness. In the study, what they do is uh, the the most famous study is what's called the invisible gorilla study. Right? Have, who's heard of this one? The Invisible Gorilla Study. And so what they basically do is the participants, let's say you're the participants, uh, you watch, you sit down and you watch a video. So there's a pre-prepared video that you're going to watch, and I'm going to give you a task to do in the video. So in the video, it's two teams. So one team in red T-shirts and one team in blue T-shirts. And they're throwing a ball to each other, passing a ball backwards and forwards, right? It's competitive, though. So there's two balls, and the, the red team's trying to pass the ball to the red team, and the blue team's trying to pass the ball to the blue team, and it, and, but they're also trying to intercept right so it's basically netball with no goals right so they're just they're just moving around like that so um that's the video right and you have to watch the video and your job is to count how many times does the red team complete a pass and how many times does the blue team complete a pass so that's a really complex thing so lots of complex movement you have to watch it and look out for this uh this all these actions that are happening you have to mark them down on your piece of paper right and so sit down and watch the video. As the video begins to play, partway through the video, a, a gorilla walks into the middle of the video. Well, no, it, it's a person dressed in a gorilla suit. Uh, like, it would be a totally different study if it was an actual gorilla, right? And unlikely, unlikely to get through the ethics committee. But So a person in a gorilla suit walks into the middle of the video, the pe- people playing netball, ball flying around, and the gorilla stands there, beats his chest, person in a gorilla suit stands there, beats his chest for 30 seconds and then walks off shot. And the game carries on for another minute or so. They stop the video and they do a survey about what people saw in the video. Around about 50% of people don't see the gorilla. Right? It could be that in the middle of everything that's going on, We've got this is happening and that's happening and this is happening and that's happening. But could it be that we're missing the gorilla? Could we miss God walking into the middle of the story? Could we miss this giant, powerful, awesome, holy, holy, holy God who wants to step into our situation, but we're completely blind to Him because our attention has been captured by TikTok? Uh, Or worse... Or worse, our attention has been captured by the New Zealand Herald. There's nothing, there's no difference morally between TikTok and New Zealand Herald. It's just another thing to fill your mind as you scroll through the day, right? There's no difference. It's just that New Zealand Herald's for old people and we can mock young people. Um, The other thing I think is really important to recognize is, number one, is that we see him when we seek him. And it's, it's almost true, right? I'm going to say something almost true. This is as close as I get to true things, right? It's, just, it's almost true that if you can't see God, it's because you're not seeking. Almost, right? I know that it's true when I send my son under the house to get a hammer. It's, 
The, re- the, the reason he can't find the hammer has got nothing to do with the fact of whether the hammer's there or not. It's got way more to do with his ability to see the hammer, right? Because it's funny, when you walk under the house and you walk around like this, you can't see the hammer. <laughs> Amazingly, eh? Oh, people say to me all the time, oh, I can't really see God. Well, wait, wait. Because this is because this is how you're looking for God. Well, you you're not going to see God because God, uh, when Isaiah was in the temple when he saw the Lord, right? So in the year of King Isaiah, he went to the temple and he sees the Lord because he's seeking Him, right? Um, but we also we see Him because of the chaos, not despite the chaos, right? The chaos that we're seeing isn't bad. It's not evil. It's just chaos. There's bad things involved in order, and there's bad things involved in chaos, right? There's good and bad things happening all the time. At the moment, we've got chaos, and this is an opportunity to see God. So um, our, we've got a, a Santa Fe diesel driving along, and it's, got some, it's had some engine trouble. Uh, don't Don't... Right on, so it's for sale on Traby at the moment. So don't mention, don't mention this at all. But uh, it has had some, it has had some engine trouble, right? It's a reduced price as a result, right? It's had some engine trouble, um, and I know that it has engine trouble, Aaron. I know that it has engine trouble because a light will appear on the dashboard. That's my signal, something's up, right? The next signal is that. Um, the next signal is that it won't change out of second gear. <laughs> right? That's a signal for me. I'm like, ooh, I think I've got a feeling. <laughs> Let's start out, have a listen. Yeah, no, that's not normal, is it? Is it? Does it normally have more than two gears? I say that. Yeah, and then it won't go past 3,000 RPM, which is fine, unless you're going up a hill. Um, there are, I don't know, if, have you been around New Zealand much? There's a few hills, eh? And a lot of them are centered around Wellington, right? We live on top of one of these hills, right? So, um, so I take it to the mechanic, and I'm like, here. <laughs> and the mechanic looks at it and, and does some investigation, right? So something's gone wrong. When things start to go wrong, it's gone bad. It's falling apart. The car's falling apart. That's when you get to see how complex the car actually is. Right, because the mechanic tells me, well, there's been a, a hose has come off the back of the turbo. Who knew that it had a turbo? Right, I don't know. And I, why would it have a hose? Why is there a hose on the turbo? Does it need to be watered? Like, so the ho- a hose has come back off the back of the turbo, right? And then that meant that lots of diesel has gone through unburned and it's, it's clogged up. Ready for this? The catalytic converter. I was impressed. I was like, this car has a catalytic converter? That sounds like a cool thing. Except that the catalytic converter was all jammed up and it couldn't clean itself. Why? It usually cleans itself. Yeah, normally it just cleans itself. When it gets a bit too jammed up, then it will clean itself, right? But it's had too jammed up, so it won't clean itself. So you can get a new catalytic converter for $6,000. I'm like, what? This car that's only worth $6,000 has got a catalytic converter in it that's also worth $6,000. This is like a paradigm-shifting, mind-bending scenario. This car that used to just drive me around, now I realize there's so much more going on. 
But you don't know that until it starts to unravel. When things start to unravel in your life, you can get all upset about it. Or you can think, okay, here's my chance to finally see how things really work. When, when, when King Isaiah died, the nation starts to unravel. What does Isaiah see? Oh, actually, hold on. There's much more at play than this happening and that happening and this happening and that happening. Ah, the Lord's seated on the throne and he's surrounded by dragon-like creatures and everything's on fire and people are singing, right? <laughs> right, same with my car, right? It's way more complex than I realized. You know, when, when, when a, a lazy, inattentive, useless boyfriend gets a breakup text, that's not the end of the world. That's him realizing how the world really is. Right? We need to figure out how the world really is if we're going to move forward and mature. That's why things fall apart in our lives. And that's our chance to see God. When the world was falling apart in the first century, John's on the island of Patmos. He's been boiled alive. He's living in a cave. He has a revelation. What does God say? He says, come up here and I'll show you stuff. He comes up and it says there's a door. There was a door standing in heaven. He walked through the door and he sees the same scene that Isaiah saw. But he sees the angels and this worship and all of this greatness and power and a sea of crystal. It's in the book of Revelation chapter 4. And older traditions, older Christian traditions don't use the term revelation when they talk about the book of Revelations. They use the term the apocalypse of John. And an apocalypse, the, there's only two apocalypses in the Bible. The one's the apocalypse of John, and then Daniel writes an apocalypse as well. And if you look at Daniel and look at John, they're not actually prophecies. That's why they're not called prophecies. They're called apocalypses, right? So you just need to unfriend all those people on Facebook who are trying to interpret the future on the basis of an apocalyptic writing. It's not to help you interpret the future. It's to help you understand right now, right? It's just John stepping through like Isaiah did and describing all these things. These aren't chronological events that are going to happen. These are things that are happening all the time. The beast is at work all the time. The antichrist is at work all the time. But also the the, the church of God is being revealed in its perfection and power all the time. Those things are happening all the time. There's not a chron- It doesn't matter. I've seen the charts too. I grew up in the 1980s in a Pentecostal church. I've seen the charts and the post-tribulation and the pre-tribulation. There's not a timeline in an apocalypse. It's just all these things happening at once, right? Good things and bad things and God things and demon things. Same as your life, good things and bad things and God things and demon things. This is an opportunity in the middle of this chaos. It's an opportunity for us to grow and move forward, all right? Realize how complicated and complex the world really is and how powerful our God is. Awesome. So I'm saying awesome because I feel like we're on time. I'm not saying awesome because, well, that's awesome preaching, right? That goes without saying what I'm saying is awesome, what is awesome is I'm at my point number three, and it's like a few minutes to go. Perfect. I feel like I'm doing a good job. When we see him, we see ourselves. What's Isaiah's response? Oh, too bad for me. Oh, wow. What was my response when the mechanic started explaining to me about hoses and turbos and catalytic converters? So, whoa, this is too big for my bank account. (laughs) 
I'm undone, right? There's a cool story in Luke 5 where Jesus is preaching to a large crowd. And for some sort of crowd dynamics management reasons, Jesus gets into a boat and preaches from the boat. I've yet to see uh, some sort of explanation of why that's a good idea. But anyway, he's preaching from a boat, right? Just another one of the miracles of Christ. He can balance on a moving boat. Anyhow, he's preaching to this crowd, and he's in Simon Peter's boat, who's, you know, fast forward, Simon Peter's going to be the apostle on which the church is built, right? Um, but he's, he's Peter, and he's, he's, uh, he's Simon, and he's this boat. He's in the boat. It's a fishing boat. Been fishing all night. Strange teacher dude wants to borrow the boat. Okay, preaching away. And then Jesus finishes his sermon, you know, obviously with a praise song. And then uh, <laughs> after the band stops, the Spotify playlist begins. People are drinking coffee. And Jesus says to Peter, hey, um, push the boat out. Let's push out and um, catch some fish. And um, Peter's like, whoa, yeah, you know, been fishing all night. And we haven't caught any fish. Because there's no fish there, right? Because we would have caught them because we're fishermen. If there were fish there, we would have caught them because we have nets for fishing with. We throw the nets in the water and we pull the fish out. We've been throwing the nets in the water and pulling the nets out. So there's no fish there. There's just water, right? Uh, I, I have the same fishing skill set. So, but then Peter says, but, hey, because you're asking and there's something about you, I'm gonna, we'll just do, do it, right? So they take the boat out and they catch this amazing, this massive catch of fish. So it, the, if you catch the symbolism, the, the water is always this chaotic, uh, disordered space where you, you don't, because again, this is pre the invention of goggles. No one knew could see what was going on down there, right? It was all blurry. <laughs> yeah, underwater, like, oh, I don't know, don't know what's going on, right? So until the invention of goggles, the sea was always this mysterious place, right? Am I, I'm not making that up. That's true, right? Until they could see what was under there, it was just a mystery, right? So in this mystery space, Peter's been trying to reach out into the mystery, and he keeps coming up with nothing. Well, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if God's real. I don't know if the fish are real, right? I keep throwing my net out. I get nothing back. You know the feeling? We all know the feeling. But Jesus is in the boat. Jesus says, hey, let's go out again. And then Jesus turns the mystery into this massive provision. This chaos of blurry, pre-goggles underwater world is now this place of provision. Can you catch that? They catch this massive catch of fish. And then he has to bring his, Peter has to call his partners over, James and John, and none of them can believe it. They're all amazed. And then when Peter sees this catch of fish, he doesn't fall down and say, oh, I worship you, oh, fish God. Because plenty of people worship the fish God in Peter's, Peter's world. Don't think for a minute that the, the, the Israel, the Jesus was walking around and was full of devout Jews. Right? They're all just normal people like us, focused on the things that made them comfortable, trying to make life work, trying to hold it together. Right? Peter falls down at Jesus' knees and says, Go away from me, Lord. Right? Not fish God who causes fish to be, but the God who causes all the things to be. For I'm a sinful man. For Peter and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons. And when Simon 
Peter's business, Simon Peter's business partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. One of the reasons we refuse to see a big God is because we know we'll also see a small me. So let's just keep focused on all these things. Oh, I can do something about that, and I can do something about this, I can do something about that. Oh, I can't do anything about this. This big God who's in control of all things, that's going to make me powerless and useless. I'm going to have to realize, I'm going to have to contend with how useless I really am. Way better to just curate for yourself a life of quiet consistency. A little space that you can control. A little garden, a small tent, right? I often think when I'm mowing the lawns, man, our, our, just our section's just too big. <laughs> I would like a smaller section so it doesn't take me so long to mow the lawn. I would like a smaller life so that I can feel bigger in it. Well, God doesn't, God's like, funny thing is God's plan for you isn't, okay, God's not planning in heaven and thinking about what he's going to do in the world, and then he suddenly realized, oh, hold on, if we do that, that's going to disrupt Jordan's business. Right? God's not in heaven planning all the stuff, and then, and then like, oh, but yeah, but uh, Jordan's overseas holiday planning, that's going to conflict with Jordan's overseas holiday plan. Right? God's planning his plan, and it's not, he's not planning his plan around your comfort. It's not at the top of his list. It's not at the bottom of his list. It's not on his list. He's, it's not what he's interested in. He's interested in your, uh, your perfection. The All Black, think about the All Black strength and conditioning coach. Is he planning the training regime about the, around the player's comfort? No, he's planning it around the player's perfection. God wants to bring out the best in you. God wants to bring out the most in you. And one of the first things we need to realize is that we're too small, we're too weak, we are unholy in the face of this holy God. I've had this um, picture recently, like a dream. Um, but you know how you have dreams and you're not really awake or asleep. You're just, it's just thoughts that come into your head. Like I think sometimes I have this as a dream and sometimes I have this while I'm driving, but I'm a safe driver. But um, it's a picture of me in a boat like, like Jake in the Neverland Pirates or one of those cartoons. Does he stand in the front of a boat? Yeah, so it's me standing at the front of a boat, pirate hat, with, uh, and looking through my telescope, you know? Right? I actually had this eye closed, but yeah, you actually have to have that one open, right? The whole thing doesn't work. All right, so looking through my telescope, and, and I guess it, that's a little bit how I see myself. I'm, I'm smart. I can see things. I've read more books than you. I've read more weird Wikipedia posts as well, right? I've read... Yeah, I know, I know what's going on. I, I see myself as intelligent and strategic, right? And I'm looking through my telescope, but it's actually a kaleidoscope. Has anyone, I don't know about you, has anyone's telescope turned into a kaleidoscope? You can still pretend you know what's going on. Nah. Okay, mean this way. But it's just all blue and yellow and purple and spinning around and around, right? Lots of us, our future planning has shifted into this kaleidoscope world. And the picture I've had is of God just shifting that. As we see Him, as we seek Him, we see Him, we see ourselves, and God adjusts that 
He spins that kaleidoscope, and then suddenly our, our future opens up. Uh, in November 1st last year, I came back off salary. So I had my own business, and then in the lockdown, someone really kindly employed me, uh, which is brilliant because being unemployed is less fun. Uh, the more children you have, the less fun it is. And uh, so then I came off salary, and when I was planning, planning the money planning, because you do have to plan your money a bit differently when you're working for yourself, I was like, I said to Chrissy, hey, look, if we can pl- make a plan through till the end of March next year, then everything's going to be opening up then and we'll be able to move forward, right? So I'm pretty happy about how the restrictions have been timed nicely, right? I was down there protesting to try and get them moved along because I had a timeline, right? <laughs> the, uh, I wasn't down there protesting, right? But I did think it was quite fun until the whole thing went bad. Then I was like, this is not fun. The, um, but anyhow, protest aside, uh, yeah, I'm always, I need like a little, I just need like a little thing, maybe we can hang it here, it says, just says, I'm joking, just remember, I'm joking. Then anyhow, I, I really feel like God's just, is going to reshift our focus, not really shift our, to now focus from purple and yellow and orange and green into something that we can begin to pursue and begin to focus, you know. For us as Equippers Church, uh, we don't exist, we're not here to, to fill this room up with people. It's not, like, it's, it's not a goal. It's not a goal, to, it's not a goal to fill shout up with people. It's not a, that's not the goal. The goal is that, that people who are in here, that we, as we gather together, we'd be equipped for our life. Equipping people for church through faith in Jesus Christ. No, it's equipping people for life. You've got, you actually have a life to live uh, and your relationship with Christ and, and, and your relationship with your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ is designed to empower you to do the thing that you're called to do. It begins with seeing Him and seeing ourselves. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet and let's pray uh, before we wrap up. Maybe if, if you're comfortable, why don't you lift your hands or open your hands? Definitely, you don't have to, but it, you're welcome to. Open your hands. Definitely open your heart. Focus on Christ. And Holy Spirit, let me, let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that as I've been speaking, you've been speaking. Lord, that you've been communicating to us about your plan. Lord, and I pray for everybody in this place, Lord, that every, all, every single one of us are in different spaces distracted by different things. But each and every one of us, Lord God, we present ourselves before you today. We didn't come to church for no reason. We came to church to see you again, Lord, to have our, the vertical picture that we're looking at stretched again, Lord, that we see you high and lifted up. Holy Spirit, I just pray for everyone who needs courage, Lord, I pray that you'd put courage in them. Everyone needing faith, we thank you for that gift of faith. Everyone needing your comfort, Lord God, we pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit to surround and protect us. And I just want to, I really want to pray specifically for people who can identify with the idea of that kaleidoscope where everything you were looking at has sort of got murky and, and misty. I guess the other thing is that you're, you used to be able to see, but now you're underwater without goggles. In a pre-goggle era, you're underwater and everything's uh, muddy and murky and you don't know where you are. If that's you, what I want you to do is just lift your hands to God right now. If you just want, if you want to identify with that, say, yeah, that's me. That's where I'm at. And I, I just want to pray for you. And Holy Spirit, 
I just pray for everyone identifying that kaleidoscope vision space. And Lord, Lord, we actually, I just want you to put both feet square on the floor. Just, Lord, we choose to stand strongly in the place you've put us. And then I just want you to lift your eyes and look up, God. And, and, and I want you just to say in your hearts, so I'm going to stand strongly in the place you've put me, God. And I'm looking for you. I'm looking to you, the author and the perfecter of my faith. I'm looking to you, a strong and mighty tower I can run unto. I'm looking to you, the God who trains my arms for battle. Lord, I'm looking to you. Holy, holy, holy God, the one who was and who is and who is to come. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.